Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, for a special winter edition. Oh, wait, last week was still winter. Never mind. We're talking about repurposing this week, not to be confused with recycling or upcycling. Those are completely different. But before we get into it, Tanda, what skill class is repurposing? My sheet here says that repurposing is a skill class nine, but I think that's a repurposed six. I think it's a skill class six. Yeah, that sounds closer, I think. Yeah. All right, uh, Tom, what did you find in your research yeah. on uh, repurposing? Yeah, so the only um, I, I, there's only like two methods for repurposing. So you want to transport them in a aluminum or wooden crate on a stretcher suspended with belts to give some protection to their vital organs, uh, which become all the more vulnerable once the animal is taken out of its natural uh, weightless environment. I don't know what you guys come up with for repurposing. Tom, we're not talking about porpoises. What? We're talking about like tools and wood and stuff like that. Repurposing. Repurposing. With a U, so, not an so O. So not transporting porpoises. No. No. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'm going to need a minute to come up with something. Oh man. <sighs> Tanda? Yeah, I think that uh, maybe we got the same text because when I was looking, I found this story that was an amazing story, but I think it's really more along the lines of what uh, Tom was talking about, about this scientist that was working with these, uh, um, some new medicines that would, that would keep aquatic mammals alive, basically indefinitely. He was kind of making them on the sly and he came back to his house one day he had a menagerie of animals, and uh, he came back to his house one day to find his uh, lion on the porch just laying there, and he couldn't get it to move, and so finally he just stepped over it, and uh, he was immediately arrested for transporting drugs across the stayed lion for immortal purposes. What? That's solid fact-finding right there. But I don't know what it has to do with repurposing because I thought it was all about repurposing as well. You got to be kidding me. Didn't you send a text? Yeah. I read porpoising. I mean, I'm the dyslexic one in the group here. How could it be that you two read it the wrong way? I typed it. Tanda, sidebar? Yeah. Yeah. Um. At what point do you think he's going to catch on that we just don't want to do the homework and and learn anything about the actual history of anything i don't know if he'll if he'll catch on but he'll uh he's got this weird look in his eye sometimes and so i, I mean when he left the room just now i'm not sure it was like to get a drink of water or like firearms so maybe we should cut it out i think i hear faint screams off in the distance i can't quite well, obviously, we're remote him? on Zoom, so he's not taking it out on us. So we have that going for oh. us. But I feel for oh. I feel for whatever that is we're hearing. He's coming. He's on his way back. He's on his way back. So, so PJ, uh, what'd you find? What'd you find out about uh, repurposing? Uh, repurposing. I could only find stuff on dolphins. So, I mean, <laughs> 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 that was literally nothing on porpoises. 
They're not even close to the same type of animal. I don't understand the confusion. Uh, yeah, well, that, that's exactly my point. But I did find some stuff on repurposing. Uh, the first thing I found was kind of on a bigger scale, but there were some scientists from the uh, U.S. Department of Energy that uh, repurposed an MRI scanner, which is basically just a giant magnet that you can get inside, and they used it to calibrate ultra-sensitive magnetic field instruments because the problem with... there's Apparently, there's a problem with being able to use ultra-sensitive instruments for detecting magnetic fields. And because uh, an MRI scanner, this is this was a big one. This is like way bigger than the MRIs that they have today. It looked like it was probably like the first one ever made. Like it looked like a giant sewer pipe that you could drive a car in. Like it was huge. And uh, they're able to put instruments and tools and things on the inside right in the middle to calibrate it perfectly um so i thought that was kind of cool and it also said that the magnet produces a maximum field of a four tesla which is over 400 times the strength of a refrigerator magnet i i didn't i didn't know that tesla was a magnetic measurement until that point it's kind of yeah. interesting hmm. and then uh the, for some reason Repurposing is huge on Pinterest. There, there was not a ton of websites that really talked about repurposing per se, but Pinterest, there was all kinds of cool little neat things like sticking a radio inside a, a plastic trash can and putting it on its side, and then that automatically like amplifies the trash can into making everything louder. It all echoes around. and uh, You can take old brass keys that don't fit anything and you can bend the part that fits into the lock into a hook shape and you can turn it into a hook like you know it's already got a keyhole so you could screw it right to the wall or you can make drawer pulls things like that uh th this one was kind of interesting if, if you don't like rusty garden tools what you could do is when you change the oil in your lawnmower pour it into a bucket of sand and then you take your garden tools and you stick them in the bucket so that they're always, they've got basically, they've, they're always coated in oil. And then every time you just take them out of the bucket to use them, they're, they're ready to go because the sand just falls right off. I never heard that before. Um, that, that, that's an interesting way to repurpose oil. And then there was uh, another kind of a interesting little thing. It, they called it a wrench caddy, but basically all they did was they took a carabiner and they ran it through the closed-end wrenches you know, instead of like the open end box part, just a little circular end of the wrenches and made like a key ring of wrenches, which was like, okay, well, that, that is definitely one way to repurpose a carabiner. But isn't, isn't that what all carabiners are for? Now that I'm thinking about it, they they kind of all. I th Yeah, I think most of the ones that you buy, uh, you know, just at the junk store, that's what they're for. I, I'm not sure you would trust them to be climbing the side of a sheer cliff face with. Well, they could barely hold the keys. I've had so many of them break. So, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't trust them on a mountainside. Um, and then the last thing I found, which I, I was had, like, some personal investment in, you can use an electric toothbrush to help get grime off of stuff. You know, you put a little bit of cleaner on, you turn on the electric toothbrush, and it gives you, like, a little extra scrubby, scrubby power for some little tiny parts, which... Oddly enough, I have electric toothbrushes in my shop that I use for cleaning things. 
but I've never used them with the electric part. Like you, I buy the disposable kind and I use them until the battery dies. And then when the battery dies, they go into the shop to clean things. But the problem is in order to change the battery, you have to kind of like yank it out and then it bends the tab that has the lower contact. And then whenever you put it back in, because the tab is bent, it won't complete the circuit. So then you can't turn it back on. So, so I've never actually used it. Um, but I have been, when I destroy them, because they always get destroyed, if you yank on that tab, you can pull the entire assembly out, which maybe that's the way you're supposed to change the battery. But at the very end of it, there's basically the same kind of little motor that's in your cell phone that is for like, you know, a silent vibrating whenever you get a call. And it's just a little tiny motor that's got a half wheel on it. And because it's off balance, it vibrates. And I have mm -hmm. a project for them that I haven't ever done yet because I, I don't know how to do it. It involves some sort of flexible silicone and some metal straps. But eventually I will figure it out. Somebody will accidentally tell me what to do. And then they'll be repurposed. Yeah. I, I was a victim of a, of a repurposing of a similar thing, a water pick. And uh, I went into the uh, the doctor years and years ago into, into the hospital because I was having this really like horrible earache, which I don't ever have. They looked in my ear and saw something in my ear and they got out a water pick, not like a medical instrument. It was like, you know, old school water picks that people used to have on their bathroom sink with the top that you filled with water and shot it in my ear i think this was like an intern or something i i don't think this was standard practice uh -huh. and it sounded like i had a helicopter in my head it and it made me dizzy for like 24 hours wow. you know I, i'm not sure that that's a standard hospital issue procedure when when you were able to see straight did you go back there and punch that person right in the ear? Okay. I should have. I should have. You should have. Yeah. Definitely justified. It's time to sell a story. Let me tell you one. All right. The winter strike continues since uh, we had such a great dealer's corner last episode. We have no dealer's corner this episode, so we're back to selling a story. I've got a cool tool story to tell you that happened quite some time ago. Well, not quite some time. It happened in 2019, which is, you know, about a year and a half ago. Well, September 2nd, to be exact, because I had to look it up. I found an ad for a Delta floor model drill press. And at the time, I had a Cummins floor model drill press that I'd picked up at an auction, which I was not satisfied with was made in Taiwan, and I wanted something American-made and vintage and a little sexy, let's be honest. And this guy had an ad up, and I, I want to say that he was asking like 75. I can't really remember. But we get to talking back and forth, and he's two hours south of me. And he figures out where I'm located, and he goes, I'll make you a deal. There's a Polish bakery here called Synapse. And they've been around for forever. Like my, you know, when I used to come up and visit my grandparents, that was like, that's where they would go. And they make a Polish 
baked pizza. It's cold pizza that they call pizza. And it's basically like uh, if you ever had um, Emilio's frozen pizza, it's like little triangle, uh, little rectangles. Uh, it's, it's sort of like that, but not quite as good. <laughs> and um, the boxes are, let's say they're about maybe like 10 inches by 20 inches. I mean, they're, they're not very big. And the guy says, listen, if you bring me three boxes of pizza, you can have the drill press. And I'm like, yeah, hey, no problem. No problem. All right. So I'm going to come down and get it. And because it was a two-hour trip, I tried to pick up another deal along the way. And as luck would have it, this guy had a Colombian undermount woodworking vise that I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a quick release that he was selling for 20 bucks. And so that was right on the way. So I stopped at his house and the guy like basically saw me pull up and he comes walking out with the vice on top of a folded tarp and then just loads it right in. Like I barely got the truck open. He just loads it right in and I give him a 20. He's like, thanks. And then he ran away. <laughs> so I got a free tarp with it too. And it, along the way, I had to stop at the Apple store because I had the week before I had dropped off my laptop for repairs. And I'm talking to the Apple guy. And I'm like, so yeah, I'm, I'm going down to pick up this drill press and I'm paying the guy in pizza. And he goes, are, are you are you pulling my leg here? Or is that really happening? <laughs> I'm like, no, man, I'm I'm going down and I'm, I'm getting a, a 1948 drill press and I'm paying for it with Polish pizza. And he looks at me and he's one of these like, you know, bearded hipster guys. And he's like, dude, I'm going to be telling that story all day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. So I drive all the way down there and... I don't recall this guy's name. It was too long ago. But he was a craftsman guy. And he bought the drill press from somebody in in New Jersey. And the reason he bought it was because his vintage craftsman drill press didn't have an elevator. Elevators were very rare on the vintage tools. And the Delta came with an elevator. And if you, you know what I'm talking about, uh, it's basically like two cast iron rings and then a threaded rod that goes in between the two with a crank and it raises and lowers the table i have no idea yeah i i've been my mine's really small i mean i can get all the way up to the pulleys on the top with just a step stool i've never never had a need for an elevator for my little drill press this must be huge it, it's very big it's very big yeah so if you wanted to buy an elevator by itself you're looking at $200 minimum. Some of them I've seen go for 400 on eBay. So anyway, I don't know how much this guy originally paid, but all he did was just take the elevator off of the Delta and then put it on his Craftsman. And then he, so he didn't care. Like he got what he wanted basically for, you know, for whatever he paid. And me bringing him the, his grandparents used to live in Hazleton, which is the town where the bakery is. And he used to have the pizza all the time when he was a little kid. And he wanted me to bring three bro three boxes so that he could have, like, his family. He had three kids, and he's married, you know. So he wanted them to be, you know, like, have the same childhood experience that he had. And that was worth it. That's what made the whole thing worth it for him. And I, I still have that drill press that I will never, ever get rid of it just because I could tell everybody that I paid for it with Polish pizza. 
Um, it, it still needs some love and attention. I ha literally haven't done anything to it uh, other than put a belt cover on that I stole off of another drill press I recently purchased. But it's it's in great working condition. Uh, it just needs you know cleaning and paint and uh, I'm. It does have a couple of those uh, drill holes in the table, and I would I, I'm hesitant, but I would like to fill them in with bronze brazing rod just so that I could have like some gold dots in in the little arc of shame to kind of make it like a style. But I don't know if I could heat up that table enough to actually do it with a map gas tank. Do you guys know? Is that possible? Uh, depending on the shape of the hole, you probably just peen them in, right? I mean, you could probably just hammer them in and they would stay in with brass. No, no, it's not It's not brass. It's it's a brazing rod. It's like a silicon oxide that looks like brass, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I thought you were talking about using it to fill the little holes. Right. Well, the hole doesn't go all the way through. It's just a divot. Right, like, and I'm saying you could probably take some some brass rod and just hammer it into the divot. The edges come right back out. So the the divot's not shaped such, but you could take like a little Dremel or something and undercut it, and then hammer it in like you do inlay. For like jewelry mm. or. Yeah, it just, yeah, it would just fill the void. Isn't that how they do like gold inlay in, in jewelry? You make almost like a little dovetail undercut. And then hammer, hammer in the gold. Huh. Uh, it depends, sort of. It if you use on... gold, it'd be easier to hammer in. You could use gold. You just need a you need a bar of gold. I think gold gold would look good. If you have any offcuts, if you have any offcuts after that project, just send it my way. I have a, yeah, I have a small that'd be great. I've got sterling silver. I don't, I don't have any gold. I I, I was never big on gold. I really did. Yeah. I never did. Uh, your story reminds me of something. I did. I did buy something for food one time. I was at a flea market, Elephant's Trunk Flea Market. It's a rather large flea market in uh, New Milford, Connecticut. And the guy at this particular booth where I was looking at this item, another customer came over with a baguette with a hot dog in the baguette. Like, they hollowed out the baguette, put the hot dog in, and put mustard and ketchup, whatever. So... He was asking her where she got it, and she points right to the end of his aisle, like, I don't know, 60, 70 feet away. And I'm observing this, and I'm like, this guy can't go get one. He's stuck here. <laughs> he can't leave because he's the only one, and all his stuff is here. And I'm looking at this thing, and it's a cast iron insert for a park bench like the back of a park bench right and it looks like lattice with leaves and stuff and i and i wanted to buy it because it was interesting and i was like maybe i'll do something with that and i did but i said uh hey how much for this and i forget what he told me but i said how about he probably told me 30 bucks or something i said how about 10 bucks and a hot dog and he goes deal <laughs> so i ran right down to the end of the aisle bought him a hot dog came back and gave it to him and took my uh took my prize that's awesome my best flea market deal was for a set of skis and i came up to albuquerque i was living south of albuquerque at the time with some college friends and we were going to go skiing and I didn't have skis. And I said, I'm just going to buy some when we're up in Albuquerque, we can go to the flea market and I'll just buy skis. And they all laughed at me and they're like, you're not going to find skis that are the right size and boots and, you know, and everything you need to, for skiing. And I said, well, it's worth a try. And so we're at the flea market 
and and we're just walking up and down the aisles and i see this guy had totally unrelated stuff no sporting goods but there's this van parked behind him he's kind of like sitting in the open door of the van and there's some ski boots sitting back in the van and i said are those for sale or are they just in he's like oh i might sell them and so i ended up buying ski boots for 25 dollars that fit me. I tried them on and they fit me. And, and so that was enough right there that, you know, for my friends to like, be like, uh, yeah, this is crazy that you found ski boots that fit you. And so we go a little further. And just before we leave, I see this guy and he's got a set of cross country skis and some other skis up against his van. And I say, how much for the skis? And he's like, Oh, I would go, uh, I'd go $15. <laughs> and I'm like, great. <laughs> I, and so I hand, I hand awesome. him $15 and he hands me all of the skis. Oh, geez. And I'm like, no, I just want the downhill skis. And he's like, oh, yeah, three bucks. And then I found a booth with two ski poles. So all I had to buy were like my goggles and stuff to, you know, and some warm clothes to, uh, to get started That's skiing. Awesome. So my whole ski... You know, I think I paid like $29. I think I found some poles for a dollar and it wasn't like a ski swap or anything. It was just the regular flea market, but I happened to get really lucky. So in the same vein of that story, Tanda, of someone telling you that that's never going to happen, that's that's where this comes from. So when I was living in Memphis, Tennessee, I planned out moving to New York to go to film school. And the way that I had planned it was... I was going to leave like my last day of work, working third shift was going to end on a Friday. And then the following Thursday, I was going to start film school. And I I told people this is what I was going to do. I was going to pack up my house. I was going to move, find an apartment in Brooklyn, and then start school on Thursday. So like just exactly a week. And everybody I told is like, you're insane. There's there's no way that you're going to be able to do that. You're you're not going to be able to drive all that way and find an apartment and get everything moved in and that's that's not going to happen. And I'm like, just watch me. And I I like I'm telling this story to the Hasidic Jewish guy that is renting me the apartment and he's looking at me going, these are never happened. Uh, no one get apartment so fast. <laughs> <laughs> as I'm signing the paperwork and I'm like, well, now you've seen someone do it. And and everything went exactly the way that I planned. I, I started on Thursday and I, everything was fine. Was no problem. Yeah. It worked out because it had to. Yeah. There was no option. I think yeah. sometimes people get uh, kind of get bogged down in not thinking of what, what if it doesn't happen? How bad would it be? You know, if you had to stay with a friend or find some place and look the next day, and so they don't even attempt to pull something like that off without even stopping to think, you know, if you if you miss the exit, you can just go to the next one and turn around and, and go out. You know, it's not <laughs> right. It, it's it's not the end of the world. If you try try to pull off something crazy and you do, then great. But what's the downside? And if the downside is just it could take you another five minutes or cost you another three dollars, then why not? So I slept in my car for a semester. <laughs> so I, I, didn't, I didn't mention this, but I actually had a problem, a major problem, while I was on the trip. So th- in order for this to work, I had a big moving truck, and I had to tow my Dodge Ram on, like, one of those car movers. But, like, one of the big ones, not the one that holds two wheels, like the ones you drive the whole thing onto. And the rental company 
wouldn't rent it to me for my truck because they said that my truck was too heavy for the trailer. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's not too heavy for the trailer. Like, yes, it is. According to our records, it's too heavy. So then we gave them my girlfriend's car as the, that was the thing we were going to use, which was like a Toyota Corolla or something like some light sedan. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, you could, you could tow that. So then of course what I did was I just put my truck on there. I just, you know, like whatever, right. they're not going to see it. And then we had to, we had to pull over for something. I can't remember what it was. I think we were pulling into a mall or we were going, we had to make a turn off road into something and I turned it a little too short. And because I did that, the trailer rode up onto the curb. And when it came off the curb, it came off too hard. And then it blew out one of the tires on the trailer. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what if they find out? <laughs> they're going to they're gonna crucify me or something bad's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I pull off, pull into the parking lot for the mall or wherever I was. And I, I called the number that was on the rental agreement. And they're like, okay, we're going to send somebody out to fix the tire. And, and then that was it. They fixed the tire and then I left. And didn't get any charges, didn't get in trouble. Nothing happened. You know, right. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's a flat tire. Happens all the time. They didn't do, care. You do you follow uh, Dale Derry, Metal Tips and Tricks? He had he had quite an adventure moving out here and blew a tire on the trailer, blew two tires on the rental truck. And a, a lot of his early blowouts came down to he was moving his entire machine shop in a, uh, in a U-Haul. Oh. And it was literally twice the weight, um, that the capacity of the U-Haul. And so they actually stopped him in here in New Mexico and truth or consequences when he had the last blowout and they wouldn't let him leave until he moved half of the stuff to a second U-Haul of equal <laughs> size. And, and after splitting the load into the two U-Hauls, we went over the, he went over the scales. I helped him. I drove one of them back here to Albuquerque and they were right at capacity. Two of them, you know, after he had divided it in half. So every once in a while, U-Haul will call you on that stuff. I don't remember if it was U-Haul or if it was somebody else. I can't remember who I used because, I don't know, it was 13 years ago. But very recently, I was looking on Facebook Marketplace, and I saw somebody had an aluminum trailer for sale. They had several of them. They were all brand new. But they were small aluminum trailers, and it said right on there, maximum capacity 800 pounds. And my immediate thought was, oh, I'm going to wreck that thing. No way. No, uh, there's no way. That, that, that is definitely going to get more than 800 pounds on it because of, you know, that's, that's what is that. As soon as I know that that's the maximum, I'm going to try to go over the maximum. And then aluminum is just going just gonna to crack and break and it's going to be destroyed. It's not like steel, you know, but steel is so much heavier. I, I learned that, by the way, real quick. I borrowed my dad's steel trailer one time to go pick up something and it cut my gas mileage in half versus an aluminum trailer that's like a rental and i'm like why am i going through gas so quick? i don't understand what's happening here so yeah we had we had this old ford truck that we used to that was very undersized to pull our uh, backhoe and bulldozer when i was growing up and we used to routinely get six miles to the gallon on that truck pulling the Pulling the trailer with the backhoe. That's about as much as a SSR gets. 
I done heard a lot of stories in my day, but I never heard one like that before. I think that last segment sort of got away from us a little bit. Let's get back into the groove here. Tom, what's your personal history with repurposing? Not the sea mammal. Long. Oh, man. A lot of good stuff on repurposing. Long time ago, I remember I was a kid. I was six, seven, maybe. And my parents went to an auction. I didn't know what that was. And sh- my mother bought a an armoire. And it wasn't anything special. This was not a special auction. It was a very normal armoire. And she brought it home. And we painted it. And that was my armoire for a long time. And she still has it. And now it's a TV stand. The doors are missing. It's got shelves on the inside. So it looks like a... I mean, it looks normal. It's not weird looking. It's just... uh, It's been repurposed many times over within our family. Outside of that... I've always repurposed things. I mean, because I need... I need... I don't want to buy anything. Ever. If I don't have to, I, I like, I like to use what I have. I mean, I've repurposed electronics. I was thinking about this. I've got, I've got an old MacBook pro 2009 laptop and it still runs uh, years ago. I put a, a, an SSD in it and it still runs, but I just bought a new MacBook air and I don't need the other one for almost anything anymore. But it still functions. I even I was like, well, maybe I'll sell it. And they're like $50 on eBay, which I couldn't believe. So I have I have a lot of electronics like that that I like to keep using because they're still useful. But that job is getting harder and harder as the years go on and the electronics pile up. But I keep all these things around because I like to come up with projects and then these projects, the, the ideas are usually not good enough to spend a few hundred dollars on. So if I can reach into my supply of garbage and repurpose that stuff into something new, that's that's my that's really my focus. That's I do that as much as possible. It'll come in handy. Don't worry, Tom. Yeah. I believe in you. Oh, I do have one idea. It's nothing to do with repurposing really, but no one on the internet has ever given a MacBook Pro a mirror shine. Nobody's done it. I don't know why. It's an aluminum body. It's a solid aluminum body. They mill. It's a unibody. That was the first year of the unibody. It was like a thing. And they mill out the in the guts of the MacBook to fit all of the components in. Which means, even though there's, I'm sure there's some sort of anodization on the MacBook... That's aluminum, and you can shine that up. So I think I'm going to do that because I found out they're only fifty bucks. So stay tuned. I'll I'll have to show you my uh, my mirrored MacBook Pro later, Tom. So I I didn't realize. Come that. on. <laughs> I mean, I've I've got two of them. I, I don't Come know. on. They got covers on them. Nobody's so you, done. You it. don't see the mirroring, but you know, I was bored. <laughs> Tanda, what's your personal history with repurposing? I think that I, I there were a lot of things that I. I either repurposed or at least uh, pretended were other things growing up. I can remember a lot of uh, alarms and, you know, different mechanical mechanisms. Uh, We used to have these clocks that were chart recorder clocks. 
And I used those to make all kinds of little little mechanisms. They had a lot of interesting kind of clockworks and parts in them. And what they were, were they were a wind-up clock for like a 28-day clock or a 7-day clock, basically. And you wound it up, and then it had a, a shaft that came out of it that turned very precisely one turn in seven days or one turn in 28 days or whatever they were designed for. And what they were used for was you'd put a circle chart on them and then they would slowly turn over the course of like seven days and little ink pens would draw on the chart. So they were used in the oil field to measure it metered gas production. But they had a lot of useful things in them and they were great because you could wind them up and they would just drive something for a long period of time. And I also remember, um, and this was actually kind of the follow-on to that same product, they later started using um, chart drives that had a little battery. And there was a little like D-cell battery in a little can with a screw on top with a cord coming out of it. So if you picture just like almost like a scaled up version of a film canister, like a 35 millimeter film can, but with a screw on aluminum top and a cord coming out of it. I, I found all kinds of uses for those as containers and you could put electronics inside of them and you had a cord that was coming out that you could uh, to run stuff. So they made kind of cool little enclosures with a, with a cord coming out of them. And so I can remember building stuff like that as a kid out of stuff that my dad just had that was scrapped from his job because it was not working correctly or was out of calibration or, you know, there was some reason that they didn't need it anymore. So those were some of my earliest repurposing memories. Anything more recent? I've used, you know, like carts that weren't intended kind of along the lines of your aluminum trailer. Uh, I have one of those like wire basket carts that you would get at like a Staples or something to cart things around an office. And that's been my welding cart for quite some time. It was just nearby and I put my welder on top of it one day and it turns out it was really good to hang little hooks and wires and stuff off the side of it because of the wire basket. And then when I bought my uh, stick and TIG welder, I just put it underneath it. Uh, I think all of the uh, hoses are hanging off of a like a hanging file, you know, something you would put in the office to do hanging files um, it, that actually it sits on your desk and then you put the hanging files in it. I found out that those hook on the sides and make good uh, holders for the cables and, and hose for my cutting torch. So yeah, often you just, I'm just looking around the shop and thinking, you know, how could I make that without, without buying it? That sounds a lot like what I'm doing in my shop. I don't really have any childhood repurposing, although I've mentioned before that my father used to throw out old electronics. I would tear those apart, and anything that looked interesting became some sort of toy for me. You know, old electronics, anything with, like, vacuum tubes, those all became, like, hand grenades. And, you know, uh, there was a—for some reason, I had a lot of—back in, like, the 60s, I guess, there was a lot of— quarter inch jacks for I assume it's for some kind of audio equipment but they had massive uh, like where the jack came out like the male and the female it was like a giant tube it was almost like like 
double the size of like a D battery. Like they were they were just big. So if you cut the the wires off and you just had the male and the female connector, it was almost like one of those um, German World War II grenades. You know, like where you you the batons that you would throw. So. I would just like pull out one end and then I would throw it. I'm like, run for cover. You know, that was like, so I would, mm -hmm. I would repurpose stuff like that as toys, but never anything practical. But in my shop today, like modern day, I do that stuff like all the time. And I was just thinking when you're talking about the basket, I found in a dumpster, a target shopping basket not not like a cart but like the kind that has like the two handles that fold down and you just kind of put on your arm mm -hmm. and that has become a project basket so like that's that gets stuff put in it and it gets moved around my shop until that thing is fixed and then i just fill it up with more stuff for the same project because it's you know it's got metal handles it's actually i'm pretty sure it's got a metal frame under the plastic and it's it's great for being able like right now it's full of Jason from Tool Scrounge sent me a surprise gift a Thor circular saw but in order to send me the circular saw he disassembled the entire thing so it would fit into a box so it arrived in pieces very very well packed I mean those there was I think like half of the box was bubble wrap but it's it's in pieces I have not put it back together but that's what's in that right now but as far as like other things that I've repurposed, I have, I have, among my many addictions, I have a thing for tripods. And anytime I come across a tripod at a garage sale or anywhere, if I can get it for next to nothing, I do. And this summer, I was going to do a video on it, it just didn't turn out, but I tore apart a tripod and I attached it to two sections of PVC pipe to make it's like five feet tall i think i'm not exactly sure of the height basically it's a big tube it looks like a like a rocket you know with with the tripod legs on it and i put a valve at the bottom and a tube coming out so that way i could put something like a woodworking clamp inside it that's all rusty and then fill the whole thing up with a evaporust and then once it's done i just turn the valve at the bottom and unload all of the evaporust and that way i can de-rust something that's really long and narrow and uh, i don't have to get like a container um, but i repurposed the tripod legs for that to stand it straight up another thing that's a great uh that's all over my shop I take apart old hard drives and I steal the magnets out of them and they're holding up all kinds of tools all over my shop. I hot glue the magnet body onto something and then it's, it'll hold up whatever I want. It's, I think I've got a couple of drill trucks being held up and just, just anywhere I need a magnet. There, I, I have a container that's like the size of a paint can that's half full of hard drive magnets that I've just reclaimed and just they're just waiting to be used. And um, I took cabinet hinges that I got from somewhere and I had bought at an auction a toolbox that had one good hinge and one hinge that was broken that was plastic. So I just carved out the broken part of the plastic and I just put a cabinet hinge in there. So I'm, I'm constantly repurposing things for stuff that they're not meant for just because... I got lots of junk, you know. Mm-hmm. 
you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking this is all I do is repurpose things. I, it's, I take it for granted. Like, I mean, I turned a power wheels and an old push mower into a remote control lawnmower. Like, duh. Like I, like this is, I, I just didn't even think about this. I have, I'm looking through my old uh, YouTube videos, but I took an old pair of jeans, framed them, and then I faded the American flag into them. So like I used a Brillo pad or uh, not a Brillo pad, scotch Bright pad to fade the, the lines and stuff. And then like, I'm just, I took my old Christmas tree and made a Christmas tree ornament out of the stump. I made end tables for my sister. They were these old antique floor registers for like a uh, uh, ventilation in, in an old house. And they were huge. They were like, I don't know. I don't remember 18 inches square ish. And I set them into uh, a wooden frame and, and made end tables out of them. And then I made um, my computer desk that uh, I'm sitting at now. I used an old, I guess everything you repurpose starts with that statement. Doesn't it? I used an old, uh, I used an old wheelchair scooter, motor and wheels and slapped it on the bottom of this thing and then took a razor go-kart electronic speed control with the thumb throttle and i i have this motorized computer cart which we briefly talked about last week but i do this a lot tom is that the desk that has the foot warmers yeah foot warmer yeah yeah yep where do they come from the foot warmers yeah oh i can't tell you that that's a secret sorry i I could really use some foot foot warmers i'll tell you off air yeah I'll, I'll tell you off air, but you can't tell anybody else, okay? Okay. Uh, but I, I'm realizing, like, I do this out of necessity, right? This is like reclaiming almost, where you are you need free material to do stupid things. And why would I spend... Like, if I wanted to buy the components to, to make this computer cart, if I wanted to buy all that stuff new so that somebody else could make the exact same thing, it would be hundreds of dollars. I mean... Like $500, right? Maybe you could cut corners somewhere, but to do what I did, you you would need to spend a ton of money. And I spent, I mean, even the wood I used is reclaimed wood. That's how cheap I am. (laughs) And my computer monitors, I have two computer monitors and they are literally screwed to the top. I screwed right through the base of the computer monitors. And so that they would wiggle less, I taped them together in the middle. (laughs) With black tape, it looks great. It looks great. You wouldn't know. Sidebar. Tanda, does, does Tom not realize that this whole topic was his idea? Why, why is he just now remembering that he repurposed everything inside his shop? I, I think maybe he has trouble with remembering because didn't he text us earlier asking what the topic of the show was as well, even though it was his topic? Yeah. Then I, I told him and he he can't even read it correctly. I'm... I'm this was his idea. He was probably really confused with the whole repurposing thing. Probably got him completely sidetracked. And who has a pet porpoise? I mean, come on. That's 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 not even realistic. Well, Tom does because he researched how to haul them and he was able to to get one to his place. I'm pretty sure that's illegal in Connecticut. Maybe I mean, we shouldn't we should probably cut this out then. We don't want to get Tom in trouble. You can have them here in Pennsylvania because, I mean, every other house has a porpoise. That's that's not a big deal. You know, we're in the mountains, so it's far from the ocean. They can't survive outside the ocean. But oh, oh, oh he's he's coming back. So, so, Tom, did you did you remember anything else that you you repurposed in your shop? Uh, no, 
No, there's a lot, though. Almost everything I do. Yeah, they're right there. I made some shelving out of some brackets from the handicap rails I got from my neighbor. I did that, too. That was recent. I mean, everything I do is repurposing. Whoever came up with this week's topic, you're brilliant, and, and I think that's great. Thanks for thanks for the suggestion. Yeah, we should definitely give him a shout-out if we can think of who came up with the, with the topic. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. All right. Whichever, which, whoever it was, you're brilliant. I was, I was just, as, as you were like looking around your shop, Tom, it, it really made me, uh, um, think of all the things in my shop. So when I bought this shop, it was previously like a bakery kitchen and it was really run down and, and needed a lot of remodeling. And I took out an entire wall and I also took out floor to ceiling shelves that were particle board and and Ugh. two by fours and they were all painted white and so i didn't throw any of that out i took and i took out um, bookshelves which you guys can see behind me there was a whole row of them over behind where my mill is now throughout my shop i have workbenches, i have desks i have my uh, my entire vacuum forming machine all of the wood from that and all of the pieces came out of the shop. So my my workbenches, the my grinder stand that goes up and over my uh, exhaust system for my laser, and none of it have I like cleaned up or painted. So all of it is wood that has like a big patch where it was attached to another piece of wood in the wall and wasn't painted white, and then white paint. And then like really cruddy white paint, depending on where it came from in the shop. So if you look around all of my, uh, all of my benches, my vacuum forming machine, you know, there are these patches of white paint and bare two before and white paint. And then a, a piece of bare spot where it came out of the wall, all full of nail holes and cut off nails. I think that I've done that everywhere I've lived. I've torn out stuff that I didn't like or was run down. And then I've built stuff out, you know, that I did want out of what I tore down. I, I think that Sherwin-Williams makes a reclaimed white paint if you wanted to patch that up, Tanda. Oh, reclaimed. That would be good. I did, a, I did an entire garden wall. There was a place out on the Mesa, which happens here, where contractors would just dump busted up concrete. So they had taken out sidewalks. Or they had taken out big areas of concrete, like a concrete parking lot. And there was just a big pile of rubble. And I can remember going out there and picking out... It made really good building material for building walls. Because you could find an entire pile of it that was maybe five inches thick. Because the entire concrete slab was roughly five inches thick. So all of the broken out pieces were random shapes but they usually had a, at least one flat side on them. And so to build like a retaining wall, you could just turn that flat side out, make a row of them. And the inside was jagged and weird and misshapen, but then you could do another row. And so they were all five inches high. Um, and you just turned the side that looked interesting out. And then when you fill it with dirt, no one knows that inside it's you know, some of them go back in, you know, 18 inches and some of them are only, you know, eight inches deep. But that was, uh, that was some free reclaiming that made for a lot of really good retaining walls. 
That'll be our little secret. Well, second turn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial energy lubes and stuff. Hello, this is Chet down at Johnson's Hardware. Here at the hardware store, we try to keep up on current trends and old trends, and we know that repurposing is a big deal right now, along with reclaiming and recycling, and we want to help all you people out, especially those of you that are moving and possibly don't have everything you need. Have you just moved into a new house and found that your drawers are empty? You got an empty junk drawer. Well, that's no good. Here down at Johnson's Hardware, we'd like to reintroduce you to one of our all-time best-selling products, world-famous Uncle Jebediah's Junk Drawer Jamboree Box. That's right. All you have to do is come down and pick one up, open the box, and drop it right into the drawer. This has everything a new house could possibly need. Hairpins, thumbtacks, screwdrivers, rubber bands, small doll's head, packages of stale crackers, matches, Thumbtacks. I already said thumbtacks. There's lots of thumbtacks, clothespins, a glass eye, loose candy, hard candy, breath mints, expired medication, dead batteries, good pair of scissors, bad pair of scissors. We've got just about everything you could possibly need for your brand new house. So come on down to Johnson's Hardware and pick up a box of world-famous Uncle Jebediah's Junk Drawer Jamboree for your house. For the low price of only $19.95, it's a Johnson's Hardware Special. You can reach us at patreon.com forward slash makerskills. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, boys and girls, it's time for crossbreeding. Tanda, what skill goes well with repurposing? I would have to say zookeeping. Definitely. Once again, not talking about the sea mammal. No, I disagree. She's she's absolutely right. Zookeeping is is the best the best match. Well, zookeeping is an occupation, but go on. What what is your reasoning? Zookeep No, zookeeping. You put an ing it's a skill. Just because something's a verb doesn't mean it's a skill, Tom. Go ahead, Tanda. That's uh, wh- what a verb means. Wh- why does zookeeping? Why is that the the best skill? that's not a skill to go with repurposing. Well, I thought you guys would talk long enough that I could come up with something and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just roll with it. But, uh, you felt that fell short a lot by a little bit. Uh, so I didn't, uh, I didn't come up with something. I, you know, I think that just, uh, just keeping things, just having an eye for what things that might be useful versus things that are truly junk and kind of keeping them around, uh, Maybe you think of what it could be used for when you save it so that you kind of have a memory of that when you need it. But one of the other things is uh, um, just seeing things differently, just being able to see things for a completely different use. I know that uh, uh, Jesse Ueda and uh, Brett, Skull and Spade 13, were just cleaning out someone's garage and getting it ordered in order for someone. And this person had a whole bunch of those kind of flat oil cans that they'd cut the side out of, which made them into basically little drawers. And that got me thinking, you know, the the metal containers like you would get like Thompson's water seal or something in. If you were to cut the side out of those, they already have a handle on them that could be used for a pull. And you could make a whole cabinet 
you know, full of metal drawers pretty cheaply if you could find someone that had thrown out a lot of those kind of flat square metal cans. So I think just, uh, you know, having an eye for seeing other uses for things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the skill is actually wearing glasses. I've got it covered because I'm the only one here wearing glasses. Okay, yeah, that that uh, that tracks. I'll, I'll agree with that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I should be wearing glasses, and I think that works better, because then you go, oh, is that a drawer? And you get a little closer, and you go, oh, well, <laughs> it's not a drawer. That's an oil can, but it could be a drawer. Hmm. I'll allow it. Okay, Tom. What skill goes well with repurposing? Uh, th- this is probably Tanda's answer, but resourcefulness. Uh, you know, the ability to find quick and clever ways to overcome difficulties. I googled it. That's really that's really what this is all about. That's really what we all do. I mean, that's what I really, I, I spend most of my time finding quick and clever ways to put a project together. Uh, if you could throw something to do with thrift in there, but that's um, it's kind of where it's at. Mm-hmm. So. No, my answer was actually zookeeping. So so don't feel bad about stealing it. Yeah. I was going to say design, but... Oh, that's right. So I'm going all in on resourcefulness, right? Gotta be kidding me. I was going to, you know, with a, yeah, resourcefulness with a minor in design. You're right. Right. Yeah. And PJ, okay. what do you think crossbreeds well with uh, reporpoising? All I have to do is read my Instagram handle. Junk hunting. Junk hunting is the perfect mm. skill set to go with repurposing because pretty much everything you pick up is going to be repurposed unless you're actually going to fix it and use it for the thing that it's meant for. But but if you don't repurpose it, hoarding goes well with junk hunting. Well, hoarding does go well with junk hunting, but we're talking about repurposing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But if you don't repurpose, junk hunting is a prerequisite for for hoarding. I wish I was more of a hoarder. I wish I had more space. Well, I'll be honest with you. I looked into hoarding, but, uh, you know, the bigger it gets, the more you have to feed them. And those orcs are really nasty when they get hungry. So I decided hoarding was not for me. I tried to stick with the junk. Uh, Yeah. Right. Hoarding is an expensive hobby. Right. Two things I've heard this show that I never thought I would hear. I would really like to be a better hoarder. And, uh, you know, those like pizza things that you get in the box at the store, those like cheap pizza things that you get in the box at the store. It's like those, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was really expecting PJ to say, you know, it's like that. But of course, these are fresh. This is much better than that. It's just the same yeah, shape. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that being being worse than the store-bought and frozen, uh, <laughs> I, I, I like that. So, so the Emilio's frozen pizza actually sort of tastes like pizza, you know, if you cook them properly. As soon as you open the box of pizza, it smells like sweaty old feet. That's that's the cheese. I don't know what cheese they're using. Oh, but it's, you're you're it's not... thinking of you're thinking of arm pizza. Yes, that's that's exactly what it was. Oh it's it's abbreviated. God. I didn't want to say the whole name. It is arm pizza. Yeah. And now it's time for a helping hand. 
where one person tells a true story and the others don't. Back in 2019, I took a trip out to visit Mr. Hillview Wooden Metal himself, Tony Rollo, for his annual summer slip and slide party. It was worth the trip. I don't remember how many hours I was on the road, but it had to be at least four weeks before I got there. Anyway, uh, I, I decided I was going to sleep there in a tent. I wanted to get there early before anybody else did. And uh, ironically enough, I was the second person to get there. I'm trying to remember. I, I want to say I think Tim Webster and his wife, Christy, Christine, my memory is, is failing me. I'm sorry, sweetheart. But they were there. They have a child whose name I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> who was fantastic and full of energy, but I just, I had, I probably met like a hundred people. I don't remember everybody's name. My memory's terrible. But I remember getting there and it was dark and there was uh, already a fire going. And shortly after I got there, Joel and Margot Crawford showed up with their son. And the one, the one thing I remember, which everybody's going to probably be unhappy about is, Joel had been telling everybody that he was going to bring wood cutoffs with him to give out for people to, to trade. We were trade. We had a tool trade. So you just brought tools and then you just took whatever you wanted. And I had, I had brought a lot of things to get, you know, to give to people things that I picked up at auctions that I didn't, you know, have a use for, didn't think that I, you know, was going to sell or whatever. Uh, the biggest of which was a Delta dust collector. That was three phase. That was, you know, worth like $800. I just gave it to somebody because I couldn't sell it. Old old man Wilson was already there, wasn't he? With his styrofoam vices, trying to hawk those things. Yeah, he, well, he claims they're styrofoam vices, but to me, they look like, uh, you know, pool floats. You know, the things you, you throw in that, you know, they keep the ropes up. That's, that's what I thought they were. But you know, he's, yeah, he's carved on a little bit, but I think that's where they start. You know, they still have that look about them. I mean, I'll be honest, the soft draws on them are fantastic, but really they're better if you're trying to do like, you know, woodworking in a pool. So, well, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing more of a soft jaw than styrofoam, but I, I'm not sure that that's really where soft jaws are supposed to go. Well, you just, you don't want to over tighten those because they strip easy. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, he's uh, he 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 brought a whole truckload of those things. Nobody wanted them, which is probably why he brought a whole truckload. But but anyway, uh, Joel Amargo showed up, and he you know immediately starts laughing. You know how Joel is, and they've they've got you know their big SUV, and in the back is the wood scraps. And I was like, it was it was like he had opened Pandora's box. I'm like, ooh what's in there <laughs> so, so while we were like he's like he's like here help me unload i'm like oh that one's mine <laughs> and i just put it to the side and then like i'm like oh i don't want this one i'll go put this up where the tool trade is <laughs> so so like half the ones that i carried i'm like oh no i gotta keep that one <laughs> and then the rest of them i just put up there so I, I sort of cherry picked the ones that I wanted, but I'm I I think I took like two or three pieces. He 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 brought a lot. He brought like I don't know. It was like 
15, 20 pieces of wood, but I, I definitely got like some nice ones. So, so that's he, that's who was missing their trailer hitch too, right? So like one trip, did you end up taking something more than, more than just a block of wood? Cause I remember when he went to leave, he is, his trailer hitch was gone. Um, well, quite honestly, I don't know who took the trailer hitch. It wasn't me because I have a trailer hitch on the back of my truck already that I, that I never use. Oh, it was it was probably Sam Lexington because he was I, I, he was walking a little bit funny, and I think that uh, he may have he may have put it down his pants leg, but it, it was pretty obvious. Give him a little hitch in his step. Yeah, I I think um, Sam kind of landed hard on his side when he took the initial slip and slide down, uh, which by the way, if you've never been to Tony's slip and slide party, he's got a, I think it's like a 400 foot long slide. That's on a hill on the side of his house. That's made out of, uh, four mil sheeting, plastic sheeting. It's, it's quite a ways down, but yeah, if you, if you're not careful, uh, you, you can slam your hip pretty bad. And um, actually, I was I was trying to do something that the kids were doing, which is they were going down on their knees. So they were they were sort of like almost like sitting up. And I tried to do that. And uh, I ended up well, some of them were going down on their knees. Some of them were in a sitting position. So they were sort of sliding down on their butt. And I tried to do that. Well, and and instead, what happened was my butt slid out from under me. And I, I went down about 10 feet and I smacked my head like on the ground. And I was like, it rung my bell really good. Like I just stopped. I don't, Tom, were you there when that happened? I can't remember. Yeah, it was a little awkward because after that happened, Tony had asked you to leave, didn't he? He wanted me to go to the hospital. He he wanted, he. I think he was trying to limit his liability there, but... He kind of asked you to leave. He's never asked anybody to leave. He was trying to get me to go to the hospital, but I wouldn't go. <clears throat> oh, I thought he was kicking you out. That makes more sense. No, no, he okay. was he wasn't trying to kick me out. I, I I brought him a container of wild blueberries and a handmade wooden box. He was happy to have me there. Oh, all right. So you know, there there was that. Uh, I also just thinking of things that happened there. I did run. An illegal stapler competition while I was there. Um, that that happened. Me and, and uh, Matt from uh, CMAT Make have sort of a stapler rivalry going on because he insists that arrow staplers are the best. And I, I know they're not because I have a better stapler made by Markwell. And so we had a competition. And there was like it was filmed and everything. There was like 20 people in there watching it. And actually, somebody was like, hey, I've, I've got an old Craftsman stapler in my car. Can I be in the competition? We're like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want, man. It's open to anybody. Just bragging rights. So Matt had bought like three different kinds of wood. And he was test. He, he brought like a whole slew of staplers. And I'm just like, yeah, bring whatever you want. It's, you're not going to win. And of course, it didn't happen. You know, he's, he, the only thing that sort of did better the 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 Markwell consistently it's first off it's it's the way they engineer it it's very easy to trigger the handle it's got some kind of a leverage mechanism so it's not as hard to pull as an arrow stapler which practically breaks your hand and it consistently went 
like below the surface, like it's stapled well. All of the arrow staplers and everything that Matt had, they all like you stapled them and there was like a hoop. Like it was like you could fit something under the staple. It didn't go through, you know, to the wood. So then he pulled out, you know, those roofing staplers that are like hammers. Mm-hmm. So he used that and he's like, well, this is going to work. And then bam, and he smacks it in there and it leaves like a half inch indent into the wood. And of course, you know, the, the, the staple is in at that point, but he's wrecked the surface. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't count, man. You, you totally ruined the wood. That, that's I love that this really happened. This is who, whose stapler, whose stapler went off uh, accidentally. Matt's was was that Matt the one that in the there was the guy with the staple in his forehead across the table. Pre, we don't talk about premature that. stapleage. We don't we don't talk about that. He he um, he's uh, no 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 one got stapled in their head. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, yeah, the guy that that was sitting across the table and the staple went like right into his forehead. I mean, it didn't kill him or anything. But it, it left a mark, that's for sure. I I don't know what you're talking about, Tanda. Uh, a, that's that's not the incident that I remember. Uh, that's a <clears throat> nope. Nobody got stapled with a, with anything during the competition. But um, there there was an incident with with a stapler, which which I can't really I also can't talk about because uh, I don't want to get in trouble. But uh, but there was a there was something else that happened. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say who it was but um the competition was happening on top of tony's table saw and that's all i'm going to say oh i thought you were gonna start talking about the, the with the chickens that was that was a fascinating story fascinating if you say so tom <laughs> uh they were fascinating chickens to the fence. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't I was not involved with the chicken thing. Okay, I'll tell you right now. I mean, I watched. I probably shouldn't have watched. I probably should have stopped him. But, but you know, right while I'm in the middle of it, Tom came up to me, and he's like, "Hey, I didn't bring anything, and we were all supposed to bring something. Do you want to go to the grocery store with me?" And I was just like, um, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the grocery store. That that sounds like a good idea." <laughs> So, so we went, and I never forget this. I get in the car with let me, Tom. Let me hold on. Let me. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You're gonna paint the picture. Yeah. So I get in the car with Tom, and I can only imagine that this was like he had a newborn at home. So, my in my mind, he's got like that panic dad mentality. So he gets in the car and starts driving. Doesn't put his seatbelt on, and he's like hunched over the steering wheel, like he's in a hurry to get to the store, which was like a half a mile away. And nobody was waiting on us there. Like nobody cared that we were gone, you know, to go get water or whatever we picked up. But he's like driving like we just robbed a bank. And I'm just I'm like, Tom, put your seatbelt on, man. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, seatbelt, yeah. This is Connecticut mentality. It's basically think New York City, but more country. We're always in a hurry. Always. I, I, I got to tell you, I lived in New York and I've driven in the city. And New York driving gets a lot of flack. But their driving is all like what I call short stop driving. It's like everything is within like 20 to 30 miles an hour. Like that's that's all the, the dangerous driving that happens. If you get them out on the highway, New York drivers drive slow. They don't, they don't know how to handle the speed because there's... Yeah, and in the left lane, it's awful. All right, hold on. Let me go back and paint the picture of us getting out of the van. I had a van. And in the back of the van, there were no seats. But there was a fully blown up air mattress, yes. which I was going to sleep in right. that night. Yep. 
So the two of us get out of the van, <laughs> go to the store, pick up like a month's supply of water and go back and I open the side door and there's just a, there's just a mattress sitting there and we load up the van and head back. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we're in a part of the country where I think that is a pretty normal thing. Vans with air mattresses? Yeah. It, it wasn't a regular air mattress, Tanda. This thing was like double, triple the size of any air. I'm not exaggerating either. Like it took up more than half of the minivan. Like I'm looking at this thing going, this looks like the thing that like when somebody's going to fall out of a window, the fire company puts one of these out for them to fall on. <laughs> that's that's how like it was it was how how thick was that tom it had to be like three feet four feet i mean it was it was massive it was pretty thick it was pretty thick those those are those are a lot of fun i i pole vaulted when i was in high school and there was a school that had one of those instead of mats and so you would land in land in this airbag instead of landing in a traditional foam mat and, it, and and sometimes if you didn't hit it center, you'd kind of bounce off the side. Oh, geez. Those things have a have a massive rebound. I mean, I I've got a queen sized air mattress that I actually bought when I was in film school uh, for for a stunt, which didn't really work. But I would say that that thing is a maximum thickness of maybe like ten inches total like it's it's like a normal sized mattress and then i look at tom's and his is like this industrial strength like i've never i I don't even have really a good comparison for where did you get that from oh i don't know probably walmart i'm I'm picturing pj's film school friend 10 stories up okay are you ready (laughs) (laughs) yeah go ahead i've got the cameras rolling (laughs) that's exactly what happened um I'm trying to think if there was any other things that happened during Tony's party. Well, I'll give you a couple that you can maybe choose from to explain. Um, the group shower, the oh, the the salad coffin. Oh, and I'll come yeah. up with one more if you want to explain. I, I wasn't in the group shower. I'm just going to say that up front. Well, actually, I wasn't even there. But well, <laughs> well, point point made. <laughs> The, the group shower is a little hard to explain, but the salad coffin was was very simple. Uh, was that that was um, not not cousin Joe? Who was it? Cousin uh, Granger. Yeah, cousin Paul. Granger. Yeah, Paul yeah. Granger. Yeah, cousin Paul. Yeah. He brought he brought that. I think that's his that's his whole deal. It's 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 literally a box shaped like a coffin full of ice, and it has all kinds of salad like you know containers of like you know pasta salad yeah. potato salad and uh but it was it had a lid on it you know to keep the bugs out and stuff so it was it was it was, it was insulate it's insulated he made like an eight foot long cooler yeah basically yeah that that's an awesome idea i'm really surprised that no one else has ever done that before you know big gatherings and whatnot but uh right. that was right behind um his little stand for the poutine 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 Poutine. 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 Not <laughs> nope. You're going to have to bleep that out. Poutine. Poutine. Which, uh, if you hadn't had it before, that's uh, fries with gravy and cheese curds. Although one leads to the other. Well, that's that's true. That One can lead to the other. Yeah, the yep, coffin's yep. a great idea. Can you carry that into any event? And, and, and is security going to say, <clears throat> we need to take a look in there? Well, of course. They all they all want to taste. You know, out of respect, they may just, they may just let you pass. I'll tell you what, 
this is going to be very confusing for our listeners because there's a lot of truth in this story and there's not a whole lot of lies. It's <laughs> very true. It's very true. It's going to be hard to figure out exactly what was made up and what wasn't. It was a fun time. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to going back. I will say this. It was missed this year. Seriously missed this year. It, it definitely oh was. Goodness. Well, last year. Last year it was missed. But I had, I was parked up on the hill behind Tony's house. And I had a tent that I, I hadn't used in God knows how long. It's been a long time. But it's like a standard three-man tent, which means that basically you can fit two people in it. And it was cold at night. But because of the way the house is situated and the hill, as soon as the sun came up, it would all of a sudden crest the house and then hit my tent. And within like 10 minutes, my tent was like a sauna. Like it was just, it was so hot in there. And I, I would wake up and I'm like, oh, what's happening? It's, uh. I, I don't like saunas. I don't like heat, you know? And it was like everything was sticking to me. You know, it was just like, ah, uh, I need air conditioning next time I come up here. You know, I need to bring like a, a portable air conditioner or, or something. Like Chris Sepp made one of those things where it was like a cooler with an, a little a battery powered fan. And he made like a portable air conditioner for his uh, his sprinter, right? I need to do that. It's a good idea. Yeah. That story sounded so nice. I want to hear it again. All right, it's time for short and sweet, kids. Tanda, you got anything you got? Uh, you got anything to wrap up the show? I mentioned uh, Jesse Ueda and uh, Brett McAfee Skull and, Skull and Spade thirteen on Instagram. Uh, they're both good follows if you aren't already following them. They do a lot of really unique stuff from blacksmithing to art to reconstruction, and it's uh, they're both uh, worthwhile follows on Instagram. Or YouTube, either one. I concur. Tom, you got anything? Nope, just thanks to our patrons. Uh, who we got? Lauren and Dave and one other? We've got two others. <gasps> We've got a new this is exciting. Patreon member this week. As of yesterday, well, we have Mr. Alan Scannell, was uh, our, our third. Thanks, man. And our fourth Patreon is Seth Williams. If you're not following him. Nice. We have addresses for these folks, so we can start sending them junk. We have email addresses, or I mean, I mean, swag. Do a dropship around Binghamton, and two of them will get something. Yeah, sure. That's whatever you say. Yeah, easy peasy. Uh, easy pizza. Right. Uh, I don't got anything else. That was it. That was my big my big pull. Was that uh, we got one more Patreon member? So slowly but surely, we're Still not going to be able to get new equipment. Sorry, but uh, it's it's you know, it's going to be a little bit longer. This this bad audio is going to continue. Well, we can't get new equipment. Tom can't even figure out how to use the equipment we have. Yeah, and we would. He's just punching punching buttons, and and we're blacked out, and he's having sidebars with other people. Who knows? Maybe even on a different planet. Tom doesn't even know that he's he's having he doesn't listen to the podcast. That's true. Join us on Patreon, and maybe you will be part of my next sidebar. <laughs> we really do appreciate you folks uh, and your feedback on Instagram, Truly. and uh, and it's a lot of fun. 
Uh, oh, I will say this, uh, not mentioning any names, but thank you to everyone that reaches out to any of us and tells us that they like the podcast or they just binged listen to all the episodes. Please continue to do that. Uh, we love hearing from you guys, seriously, uh, because we don't really get a lot of interaction. So you guys sending us a DM or commenting on the posts really makes a difference just so we can get a little dialogue going. Because other times, uh, you know, we're just pretty much amusing ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't know what you're saying. That that wasn't meant for you, Tanda. Oh. oh. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, Son of the Junk Hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time. Hey, fellas, it's uh, tool time. As we remain on the cutting edge of podcasting technology, we've got a brand new segment for you, tool time. That's right. And I got to give credit where credit is due. This was Tom's idea because... Well, don't tell them that until it's a good idea. Okay. I'm supposed to uh, I, I'm bury that. Sorry. This terrible idea was Tom's idea. That's not what I meant. Let's continue. Go ahead. So basically... This is a brainstorming session where we're going to try to come up with an actual tool that doesn't exist, but we would like it to exist. And that's about it. This is this is this is the room. This is where we're at. We're gonna make something with our minds. Like a telepath, I think. I don't, I don't know. Tom? Yeah, so I figure we start out with something simple, something everybody can wrap their brain around and follow along with. And I will ask uh, Dave, Dave Bauerart, uh, maybe, maybe if you're if you're feeling up to it, maybe you can draw the final product for us in your next sketch. I really enjoy his sketches on Instagram. So I'm just thinking of something simple. I want a multi-tool. I want a multi-tool that I can go and grab Anytime I need to hang up a picture on my wall. So this multi-tool needs to do everything needed to hang up a picture or, or anything that you hang up on walls. So maybe you guys can come up with some, some things that it needs to have to do that. All right. Well, before we get to that, I need to tell you all of my gripes about multi-tools because we need to make sure those are not in the tool we design. So the first thing. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the restroom. I'll be back. No. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, PJ, go Just ahead. We're listening. Carry on. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for the support, guys. I really really appreciate it. Almost every multi tool out there is a pair of pliers, and when you open them up, the handles that you grip are where all the tools are. It's not comfortable. So as soon as you start to squeeze the pliers, it bites into your hand because. That's the open part where all the tools are. So I don't like that. That's an issue for me.
Um, the only... <sighs> yeah, okay. So... <clears throat> the only company that I know of that doesn't do that is Gerber. And uh, they have a different method. The baby food? Gerber knives. You know, Gerber, Gerber knives. Why would a baby food company make knives? They use spoons and forks. They're plastic. Those, those are for those ninja babies. They need well-made equipment. Mm. Ninja baby Gerber knives. Go ahead. So they make, uh, they make one where you don't actually fold open the pliers. The plier head slides out through the front, and so the sides are still, like, rounded over. Like, I, don't, I can't remember which model it is, but if you've ever watched uh, Speed with Keanu Reeves... There's a part where he's trying to break into an elevator, and he uses a pair of those. That was the first time I'd ever seen them. So that's kind of cool. And the only other one that I'm aware of, which is different, it's not a standard multi-tool, but it's made by SOG, and it's called a switch plier. And uh, Jessie Weta has one. This is where I saw her use it. And it, it looks like, it looks sort of like a knife, like a regular knife, but you press a button and then the plier head flips out and it releases a bar. And so the actual handle is sort of like one arm of a standard multi-tool. But again, the tools are on the inside, not pressed against your palm. So you're not, you're not, it's not biting into you. I, I actually want to buy one of those. I have an SOG multi-tool that I was given as a gift. So a switch plier would be in the same family. The other thing is almost every single multi-tool out there has useless tools in it. And that I always find irritating. They always have things in there that you're never going to use. No one needs a fish scaler on a multi-tool. You know, just like, really? Why would you want one of those? To, to scale fish. Yeah, if you're going to scale right. fish, you'd bring a fish scaler Clearly. with you. You know what I'm saying? Well, if you just happen upon a fish, say you're out walking your dog and and you just are by a stream and fish jumps out, you decide to take it for dinner. What does any of this have to do with hanging a picture on the wall? I want to make sure that none of the design features that we have for your multi-tool, ha I, don't, I don't want this stuff in your tools, what I'm trying to say. I don't want, okay. you know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's fix it beforehand. These are the bad things. Let's make the good things. Okay, so the fish, fish, scaler, fish scaler is out. Sure, sure. Well, let me ask, let me ask you a question. Fish scaler's out. Fish scaler's yeah. out. Let me ask you a question. Do you need pliers to hang a picture? I don't. I think I think you need uh, hammer and, and level. And that and so we have to have <laughs> a way to incorporate a level and a hammer where the level remains accurate even though you're pounding yes. nails with it. Right. You know, you don't need a you don't need yep. a plier, but you could use something to hold a nail. Which doesn't have to be a plier. A little magnet? Well, I mean a little a little removable magnet piece. That holds the nail instead of your finger? Well, my immediate thought there is if you don't hit it exactly right, then the nail's going to go flying. Well, then you, then you need more nails. Which, uh, yeah, but check this out. Yeah, then you're going to need more nails. This is a hammer. Tom's holding a hammer up. That I bought for my son. It's very small. But in the handle, I am holding a hammer up in front of the camera that you can't see or see out of. Uh, in, the, in the handle is a screw cap. That pulls out, and it's about a two and a half inch long thing. And at the end is a slot and a and a magnet. 
and you can hold a nail in it. That's a screwdriver, Tom. Ah. Like so. There you go. Because you can see this now. How about we have a level then, that pulls out from the inside of the hammer handle so that the level is separate. I like it. And it has a magnet on it for holding nails. From the hammer. So you're not jarring the level. Yep. And then the end of the level can have a magnet for holding a nail. Yep. And nails. You could have you could have nails in the compartment as well. Is the level is it in the hammer handle? Yeah. So the hammer handle is hollow. I mean, you, it's not like you need a you know. hammer handle is hollow. And you take the end cap off of the the butt of the hammer handle. Yep. And that's a level. So you unscrew that, and a level comes out of the handle of the hammer. So are we making a modified hammer, or are we making a multi-tool? It sounds like a modified hammer at the time at the moment, but. What else do you need? We're missing something, aren't we? You do need pliers. What if you're hanging up a picture with wire? You need to twist the wire. Hmm. No, you can use the claw of the hammer. You you don't. Yeah, you don't need pliers for that. Um, you. I mean, you need like, if you're if you're putting those little, like, uh, eyelets into a, a frame, you need like a little awl, like a little point where you can make a divot so that you could put that in to get it started and then all you need ah. is like basically you could use that same little awl to put through the loop and then just twist it and keep twisting it like you don't you don't actually i like yeah. that yep uh the other thing is maybe a stud finder i think you need a stud finder for a picture i always need a stud finder i don't, I don't think for yeah, a well, picture yeah, it's a heavy picture maybe i'm hanging up a piece of art it's very heavy you know heavy art it's a thing I've I've never secured a picture into a stud. You know, we could probably save some money on the level um, by uh, you know, just making it a little scroll. So instead of the level, there's just a scroll of paper, which would be much mm -hmm. cheaper cheaper to manufacture. And uh, maybe it's got a sticky back on it, and you just pull it out, and you just yeah. stick it on the wall like a sticky note, and it says, if it looks level, it is level. We could probably get someone to do a like a mm. clever design that says that, and we could just stick it up next to the picture. I know a guy. Like a like a post-it note that says straight. if it looks level, it is level. Yeah. 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 I, I, I know a guy. I think Tom, I think Tom knows the same guy. Okay. Yeah. If there's someone we can like license that from, we could just then we just have paper. We don't have to even manufacture a level. It's just a piece of paper. Perfect. So I have an idea. And tell me what you guys think about this, because this kind of covers, I think, most of the bases. So when I think of a multi-tool, I think of something that folds up compact. That's that's what, in my mind, I come up with. So imagine if you had something that was basically about, mm, let's say, eight inches long, all right? And the tip of it has a folding hammerhead. So... It's all in one line. It's like a stick. And then you unfold the hammerhead and it locks into position. So like the, the, the part that hammers is tipped inward into the stick. And you fold it outward so that it makes almost like a, an L shape or maybe like a T shape if it's got like something to remove nails. And then once you do that, it releases, um, let's call it a cage door, okay? So that swings open, and then inside you've got all the stuff that you need. You've got your removable level. Um, you've got a fold-out awl. 
Uh, you've got a magnet if you need like the little magnetic holder that you can remove, like physically remove. You can take it out. It's not actually attached to the tool. It's it's slotted into like a little place. And then once you get out all the tools, you just close the door and that makes a handle that's covered on all four sides so you don't hurt yourself while you're hammering. Oh, yeah. yeah, so basically scale a multi-tool up and instead of like the the top blades, instead of having the blades, it's just a hammerhead that turns out maybe at 90 degrees. Right. And then... Right, yeah. And then instead of having other blades inside, it's just an empty compartment with a door over it. And so you can open up the door and get out, get to everything else you need, and then close the door and use it as a handle. Right, yeah. And maybe there's like a couple, maybe there's like a little extra space in there so you could keep like some nails or some little eyelets or something. Like it's a kit. So, you know, if you, you have a hang, you need to hang something. It, it kind of comes with everything that you need. And you could always fill it up with more stuff as you use it. I think that's a viable product. Yeah, I like that. Are we are we missing anything? Is there something else you, you'd you like to have when hanging a picture that's not in there already? I think it's perfect as long as there's just enough room for, you know, a toothpick and a pair of tweezers. And I think we got it. Well done. Why do we need a toothpick and tweezers? Well, I think every multi-tool under, under the sun has a... Toothpick and a pair of tweezers, doesn't it? <clears throat> You're thinking of a Swiss Army knife. The original multi-tool. To have the utility of like a Swiss Army knife, we just need a slot in the side, the size of a toothpick. And we don't even need to ship the toothpick. It's always lost and gone anyway. That's true. People are accustomed to that. It just needs to have a little like <laughs> opening in the side where you could put a toothpick. Or a toothpick But I think we can be. save money by... Uh, by just not even making the toothpick because people will open it up and they'll take it out of the package and they'll go, oh, I've already lost the toothpick. All right, let me, let me ask I you this. Right. I, I, I kind of think it might be a dumb idea, but I, I want to broach it. What do you think about putting a light in it somewhere? And my immediate thought is near the hammerhead. Laser level? No, not a laser level. I mean like a light. A light? A light, like an LED light. Sure. Like just a little. Yeah, but why? Well, I don't know why I'm thinking this. But what if you're trying to... You're hanging up pictures in the dark? Yeah. What if it's not light out and you're trying, you know, like where you are is not well lit? I mean, you only need to see like where you're hammering, you know? Like what if it's... Why are you hanging in a... Why are you going to hang a picture somewhere where you can't see it? How about it? How about instead of a light, a laser pointer so that you can take the level out and set it level across the room, maybe turn it back and forth to to create a, a line along the wall. So maybe you're hanging a bunch of pictures or something. You can you can strike a laser level line across the wall. I think that's doable uh, with a little bit of finessing. Um, but getting back to Tom's question, the reason for the light was because stupid people are going to use this thing. And that's why. Because mm. they, We're, they're going to sell it at Walmart, aren't probably, they? Probably, yeah. So that's, that's why I'm thinking yeah. light mm. in the dark. But laser level... You know those pens that have the laser pointer mm -hmm. at the end? So those are relatively compact. And about half the pen is like a battery and then the little laser diode that's in there. So I don't think it would take too much to convert that to a short laser line. I mean, it's not going to be like something, you know, it's not like going to be like a laser level that encompasses an entire room. But maybe we could set it up so where it actually would cover like a couple of... Tom's holding up a laser diode. So mm -hmm. the thing the thing is though, that is a point 
that's like a point. So we need to make it so that it projects a line. But is yeah, right? we could Not a point. we could probably work on that. Are we okay with batteries? I mean, there aren't too many multi-tools that have batteries. I'm good with batteries. See, here's the thing. This isn't a multi-tool that you're going to carry around with you every day. This is a one-task object. It could be it could weigh 4 pounds and that's okay because well, it shouldn't weigh four pounds, but you're not going to hook this on your belt. But when you go to use it to hang your picture, are the batteries going to be dead? I mean, they shouldn't be. Yeah, every time. It could be like one of those shake flashlights. Oh, God. That charges instantly. Not one of those. Mm-mm. Not one of those. I, I, I've, I have like eight of those and I never enjoy them. <laughs> so. Why do you... Never mind. I'm not going to ask. You know why. Continue. You know why. You don't even have to ask. What about a rule or a tape measure? I mean, what if you're just measuring out from an adjacent wall or down from the ceiling? Yes. Yeah, exactly. You need a tape measure in this thing? Yeah, or you're hanging points on the back of the picture. Maybe you've got the little uh, the, the little hooks on the back, and you want to find out that they're 17 and a half inches apart. Okay, I got, I got a possible solution for that. So at the bottom of the handle, so the opposite end from the, the hammerhead, there's a little tab like you would have for a tape measure. And you can pull on that and it'll it'll release a coiled up tape measure that measures like, let's say, three feet maximum. So it's a small, tiny coil that could actually fit inside of a handle. That would work. I mean, as far as, okay, if you had to measure something, if you need to measure something bigger, then you just, you get a bigger tape measure. Yeah, that would work. Mm-hmm. That would fit in there though. Yep. We could do that or, or we're not really using the lid that opens up to reveal the contents. So the lid could be, could have a scale on it. That'd be a very small scale though. You know, uh, if we're getting practical, I would even say that this could be a very well packaged kit. That is, there's no box, but it essentially all snaps together. So the hammer could snap away from the level, which has a tape measure on the end, but it all just snaps right back together and and you're on the go. So these tools can come apart like we've kind of talked about, but you can have a more, you know, you can have a six foot tape and you can have a better level and you can have even a, um, even a stud finder on there. And then the hammer kind of pops out of that. You said it was the handles about eight inches long. So how about if we have just maybe three sections, thin sections of like the the flip out rules, like the folding rules, but but maybe just sure, th- but maybe just metal. three metal sections that you can flip out, and that yeah. gives you a little bit of uh, that'd be kind of cool. Hmm. That's a good idea. And then you, and then you don't have a tape winding up inside and a spring, like a seamstress ruler, you know those flat steel rulers, but segmented like yeah, a wood segmented, ruler. yeah. That, that wouldn't take up a lot of space, and that'd be a cool thing to fold out from inside. Yeah, because those things are like feeler gauges. They're 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 like what, the, the, like a sixteenth thousandth of an inch or something. They're super thin. But let's let's keep in mind we don't want to make this thing too big, like splitting it into sections and stuff. We need we need a name for it. What are we going to call it? We have a working name for the we do the, the picture hanging tool. Yep, we do the hangman. I like that. I like that. And we just <laughs> I like it. And and we just and we just like go with the leatherman thing, but it's just like hangman. Hangman. Yeah. The no, hangman. Pronounced hangman. That's the perfect name. <laughs> All right, so Dave Bauer, you're listening. 
We need pictures. Get to work, man. We need a we need a mock up of the hangman. Should I should I three D model this yeah. for our uh, to see if we can get someone in China to start making them? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, without our without our say yeah, so or we need, we need to start posting <laughs> posting pictures of this. If you're listening, if you're listening, if you're listening, I'll do a three D model and uh, and just start raving about can't that you can't wait for yours to come in. So we can so we can see if we can lure someone to into making we, one. Yeah, here's what we do: we just 3D print the entire like solid block of whatever it looks like, and then just do a really good paint job on it so that it looks like it exists. And then they'll just they'll rip us off, and we can just buy one in like a week. Yeah, it, yeah, we'll have them. They'll be available in a month if our plan succeeds. We'll we'll have them. That they, they they won't be very yes. high quality, but we'll we'll have them. Exclusively at Johnson's Hardware. <laughs> they will well, exist. Yeah, and you'll, you, yeah. And, and if you buy it at Johnson's, it could cost you 50 bucks, but uh, it'll be worth it. Fellas, I'm not cleaning up all these tools.